This is Jeff Postaway, Senior Editor for TND World. Welcome to the Line Life Podcast. We're bringing you stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork that it takes to be a line worker. For Women's History Month in March 2023, we're focusing on women in the line trade. Our guest for this episode is Susan Blazer, the Line Work Program Coordinator at Metropolitan Community College in Kansas City. Susan is a journeyman line worker who worked for Kansas City Power and Light, which is now Evergy, and she now prepares workers for their futures in the line trade. Husky Tools is proud to announce Women of Power, a new socially conscious, proactive program that presents powerful women and promotes their accomplishments in various industries. It is our mission to create awareness around training and educational opportunities while promoting strong women throughout the world. Our ultimate goal is to continue to provide opportunities for the betterment of women everywhere. See more at huskytools.com backslash women of power. Hello and welcome to the Line Life podcast. My name is Amy Fishbach and I'm the field editor for Transmission and Distribution World magazine. For our March 2023 episode, I have the honor of talking with Susan Blazer, the Lyman Program Coordinator at Metropolitan Community College in Kansas City. Susan is also a journeyman lineman and an inductee into the National Lineman Hall of Fame. Susan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today from the MCCKC campus. Thank you for having me. Susan, you began your career in 1989 as an apprentice for Kansas City Power and Light, which is now Evergy. And you had said that your children inspired you to get into the line trade so that you can make a living wage and provide them with a good life. To start out, can you talk a little bit about your kids? So I have five kids. I had two early and then three later in life. So the two young ones, when I started the apprenticeship, I was a meter reader for Oklahoma Natural Gas for a while and then moved over to Kansas City Power and Light. And I knew that I was unskilled labor because they were talking about phasing out the meter reading department. And I knew that I needed a trade if I was going to ever be able to make enough money to support my kids. So that's what kind of led me into that. As they were young, I didn't talk about line work with them, so they never understood the dangers that were involved in it. Mom just went to work and she climbed poles and worked with electricity. That's about all they knew about it. I'm a mom of five as well, and I definitely tip my hat off to you. It's a lot raising five kids, and I can't even imagine doing that and working in the line trade. Can you talk about what it's like being the first woman to work as an apprentice line worker for Kansas City Power and Light? So I wasn't actually the first woman to be an apprentice. I was the 13th oh, woman okay. to be an apprentice. Okay. So the 13 women before me didn't make it much past hot school, which meant at the first year, year and a half. So the odds against me being successful weren't very good. And the men had already had some experience with women that didn't make it. So their expectations weren't very high when I went through. It was a different culture in 1989. A lot of men still worked and their wives stayed at home. So that was a lot of the feelings that were going on as I first started off in the apprenticeship. Uh, it wasn't easy. It was overwhelmingly difficult at times, but I'm the type of person that I try not to hold on to the bad. I just try to focus on the good. 
So I was telling a person one time about being a princess. I said, hey, I wasn't really all that bad. My oldest son was standing there and he goes, oh my gosh, mom. He said, you used to come home every night, lay on the living room floor and cry. He said, yeah. it was rough. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was, but it was something that I needed to do to provide for my family. And it was a goal that I wanted to be successful in. So I just figured that I wasn't going to allow anybody to take that away from me and forge forward. And Susan, how did you feel when you topped out as a journeyman line worker? I'm sure that was just an amazing moment for you. Made me the first at Kansas City Power Light and in Missouri. And at the time, it just meant a $3, $6 an hour raise. <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah. It was, you know, you're in the middle of the work and the family. And I was moving forward, but life was very much around me. So it was just, it was nice, but it was just another day. It really didn't register that it was an accomplishment until after I left Kansas City Paralight and came down to the college to work because they brag about it a lot. And I had never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. And the people that I worked with, I had worked with at Kansas City Paralight as they trained me when I was an apprentice. And, you know, they recognized that, that I had done a good job and had been successful. And that meant a lot. And their support with this program and supporting me as the coordinator has been incredible. That's wonderful. And Susan, what do you think it takes to succeed in the line trade as a woman? It takes, and I know it's kind of cliche, it takes thick skin. It took a long time for me to figure out people didn't like me. And I took that personally. And it wasn't that they didn't like me. They didn't like the fact that I was a female. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to divide that. So I spent a lot of time and energy and frustration, you know, trying to figure out and trying to prove to people that I could do this and that I was just as good as some of the other guys that were there. And I finally realized that find a mentor and find those people that support you. And those are the only opinions you worry about. Everybody's going to have an opinion. But I picked out a small group of individuals that if they told me I was having a good day and I did a good job, I knew in my heart that I had done well to get a compliment from them. So those are the only opinions that I held on to. You have to make a network. You have to have some kind of support. If it's not other women, uh, social media has provided those Facebook pages for line ladies and women in the trades where you can go and you can get that support. If you get get on there and there's somebody in your area, they'll reach out to you. We're all here to support each other. I think that I didn't have that opportunity because social media wasn't around. I was one female at one location in Missouri and there was no way of networking or getting that mentoring. And I think that makes the difference between whether somebody's going to be successful or not. And what were some of the challenges that you faced as a journeyman line worker and how did you overcome them in the early parts of your career? I would say the biggest challenge was that people would underestimate me because I was a female Mm -hmm. and didn't understand that I could perform the work and I could do it well. Opinions and assumptions are sometimes difficult to deal with. I had a life outside of the company and 
keeping that personal is one way of handling that. There's still going to be people that are going to have rumors and talk about you and all that kind of stuff, but the least amount they know about your personal life, the least they can hurt you if they try. I can be professional with anybody. I can work with people that I don't particularly care for, but when I'm at work and I'm a professional and I'll work with you and I'll watch your back and I'll make sure you're safe, but I'm not going to be your friend once we walk back into the service center and we're not going to hang out with each other. So knowing what your limits are, I learned from the old guys. I got the advantage of learning how to rig early on. So if I couldn't do something, I would rig something. And (laughs) asking people and listening for their ideas and their opinions on things and asking everybody because one person has a way of doing it. Another person does it differently. And I could take those two ways and figure out how it works best for me and come up with a third way of doing something. Physically, there's a lot of technology that has come along, but at some point there are limits, and that's when rigging is going to play a critical role in that. Absolutely. Now, that's good to hear that there's some more technologies now. And is your daughter an apprentice line worker now, and how do you feel about her following in your footsteps? My daughter is now a journeyman lineman. Ooh, yes. That's fabulous. Yes. Yes. So uh, I am very proud of her, and I think she's happy in her choice of career. She thought line work was going to be boring, and she's realized that some of the pictures that she's sent me, are, she's having fun and it's challenging, and that's what it's all about. When you're working with good people and you like going to work and enjoy what you do, that makes a career move by so much faster. So uh very proud of her. She has done an incredible job. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Where is she working now? So she's at Amron UE in Belleville, Illinois. And she's also out there. I had another one of our students graduate, Jody Reinhardt. Okay. She's out there at Amron. She's a journeyman lineman now that came through my program. I have Drew Otto, who's working for Amron on the Missouri side, who is a journeyman lineman now. I have Paige Spitz that uh-huh. said Kansas City or Evergy. Uh-huh. She just turned out as a journeyman lineman that went through the program. So I'm sure that's extremely rewarding to see your students go on to careers. Oh, yeah. And what is some advice you would give to other women considering a career in the line trade? Don't get discouraged. You're going to start your learning, which can be frustrating for anybody, male or female. So again, find those mentors and people that want to train you and want to make you the best journeyman that they can learn and start a network. Find those people, uh, the Facebook page. Sometimes it's just some place where you can go and talk about your day with other women and they understand your perspective of what you're going through because a man can't understand that. So it's a good place to go. Uh, one girl got on there one day and she said she was having a bad day and, you know, just needed something for uplifting. And I bet there was a hundred puppy dogs that was sent to her in the comments for her to have a better day. So (laughs) it was, you know, yeah. And it's, everybody needs that because you are going to get discouraged and you are going to get frustrated, 
And if you're the only female, you have nobody at your company to talk to or to vent to. But there are ways of reaching out to women that are going through it, have gone through it, or mentoring other women through it. So Alice Lockridge out of Seattle, Washington, she's incredible. She's one of the biggest advocates for females in line work. And the resources that she has and the support that she provides for these women is just incredible. That's great advice, Susan. And also, what are the names of the Facebook groups that you were referring to earlier that the women line workers can also join? Line Ladies. Women in the Trade is another one. And it's amazing, even if women are thinking about it, just reaching out and saying, hey, I'm thinking about this. You know, what would be your advice? What do you think? Where to go? Because when Randy first started talking about going into line work, you know, we looked up companies on the internet again to see if they, what their record was with females. If Uh there was lawsuits or conflict that was brought up and there was actually some utilities that we ruled out because you would come across names of the females and we would through social media we could contact them and she'd ask them why they left and they told her why they left and it was like you know if if that's how they're going to recently treat somebody that's probably not a good option for me to go Mm -hmm. not all companies have the culture hasn't changed yet as much as it needs to, to allow women to be successful. And I know companies don't want to hear that, but I can make all these rules at the top and say all these things, but a first-line supervisor is going to use his own personal opinion on how he treats you. Mm -hmm. And even if the company doesn't agree with it, there's still that unconscious bias that's going to happen that you can't prevent. And if you're a single female and you don't have somebody to back you up or have your back, then you're going up against, you know, you're beating your head against a brick wall because nothing's going to change. That makes it challenging. I completely understand. And I hope things will change down the line as more women get into the line trade. And can you talk about um, what you're doing at Metropolitan Community College in terms of training and how many women that you've had there who have come through the program? At the Metropolitan Community College, we have alignment programs. We have three semesters. We're a community college, so the eight-week semester is a summer semester, and all we do is work on climbing. And that's typically when the students can come in and they'll decide whether this is what they want to do or not, because all we do is climb. So sometimes that's when they self-select out and when this really isn't what I thought it was not what I expected and they'll decide on a different career path and then for the next two semesters we go through construction and deconstruction we spend 85 percent of our time outside on the poles we're working on safety 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 uh, how to do things safe I have four gentlemen that are my trainers out in the field that again came through in my generation and it was all about you know safety and how to do it correctly and repetitively so that you keep yourself safe. So that's really what we focus on for the program. I've had probably nine women come through the program and five of them become dream and linemen since going through. Okay. It's hard to find women and Mm -hmm. I'm still working on Once I get that answer, I'm going to be rich, but I'm going to find out, figure (laughs) out how, how to recruit more females. Yeah. How many women do you think are in the line trade in terms of a percentage? 
think it's around between two and three percent. Yeah. If I remember right. Mm-hmm. So Susan, what do you think it'll take to increase that percentage and get more women interested in line work? I think social media has made a huge difference in women finding out that the opportunity exists. Because parents don't raise their kids to say, hey, when you grow up, you're going to be a lineman. Schools don't promote that you're going to be a lineman. I was just at a career fair for the school counselors that came in from a district, and we were all set up in a room, and there was nursing and fire and uh, police, and then there was construction, and I was there, and welding and robotics. And most of the counselors went to what they know. They went over to the fire and the police mm-hmm. and the nursing. And very few came over because they don't know what we have to offer. I mean, I offer a 12-month program. And you can be making, my daughter made $130,000 her first year as an apprentice. Wow. You, know, you can't offer that with very many skilled craft positions. No way. So. I just don't think women understand that it's something they can do and they can be supported in and they can be successful at. I agree 100% with that. And going back to a Metropolitan Community College, can you talk about how the training has evolved over the years since you first started in 2008? So a lot of the work practices remain the same. Changing a transformer is the same now as it was then, but there was a lot of automated equipment that we have to keep up with as the smart grid expands. The students need to know that knowledge and solar and wind generation is another one that plays a big role in that, um, how to keep themselves safe. We have recently moved into our new training facility out of a different campus. We're sitting on 56 acres now. Our pole field has, wow. field has expanded. We have an inside pole field now for training. So the college and the community really sees the value for the students to come through the program. Evergy does an incredible job, and so does Ameren, of hiring our graduates. The IBEW Local 53 and 304 also do an incredible job. So the kids have the opportunity And basically, our program is mirrored after, since I came from Kansas City Paralyte, it's mirrored after the first-year apprenticeship that they have at Kansas City Paralyte. So a lot of training they get here prepares them to immediately go over there and understand the terminology, the equipment, the safety that's involved in that, and hit the ground running as a productive employee. So, Susan, once they enter an apprenticeship program, would they be in their second year then? since they've completed a year with you? They do not give them credit for being in the program. Some utilities have in the past given them. The local union has, they have a groundman for a year, and they're working on the possibility that maybe they'll give them credit for being through the college and take that portion off. An apprenticeship can be anywhere from three to five years, so realistically, it is frustrating, but our program's $10,500 per year, and they're going to leave here. And if they go to work for Evergy, they're going to start off around $32 an hour. That's so it incredible. Makes it very affordable. You know, you have small 
student loan, but you're going to start making some really good money that you could pay that loan off with. And this program got you in that program. You know, one for one year over there, the first year they're over there, they work everything up to 600 volts energized. I don't do anything energized. We work as if it was energized, but personally, I don't think they should skip that. I think they need that. Now, if they're going to add a year groundman where you're not going to do anything energized, yes, they should get credit for a program. Mm-hmm. Susan, what other skills do you think your students need to prepare for future challenges and opportunities when working in the electric utility industry? Technology. Lineman it was pretty simple for what we did and now technology computerized equipment uh they're using drones for doing maintenance searches on poles to see if anything needs to be done instead of climbing those poles the industry is is short and that means you're doing just as much if not more with less people which raises the risk for safety Mm -hmm. i think this next generation, things have changed for them. It's going to require them to speak up more than what my generation had to because uh, experience, work has changed, experience has retired. And I think that we're all out there to protect each other. And that should be a priority anytime you get out on a job. Dream alignment is their responsibility to pass this trade on and train the next generation. And hazing them is not training them. Uh, I wouldn't want anybody to treat my children the way that I have seen people treated. And personally, I was treated while I went through an apprenticeship. I just don't think there's room for that anymore. Uh, We're becoming a very small, tight-knit craft. And I think we need to take care of each other. I agree. I mean, from what I've seen, the line trade's like a big family, really. I mean, you guys all take care of one another, which is just unheard of. It's not like that in every industry. Every year you take your students to the Lyman's Rodeo Safety and Training Conference. And can you describe the importance of safety in the line trade and what it's like to have your students be part of the International Lyman's Rodeo Week? So we volunteer to run the bucket trucks for the Hurt Man Rescue on the journeyman side and the apprentice side every year out at the rodeo. The line conference that we go to that they put on that's free to anyone that wants to come to the conference. The students get to see real world people in the industry coming in and talking. Some of them are uh, kind of like a, you know, they're showing their equipment, more of a sales pitch, but you're seeing the new technology that's coming out there. They have people that come in there, share their stories, maybe of an accident or a near miss that they had. Uh, People come in and share how they've moved up in a company or what they're doing to make their company safer and how important safety is for them. And they're sitting in a room full of linemen. So part of what I tell them to do when they go there is you need to have conversations. You need to meet linemen, talk to linemen, you know, Talk to them about their experiences. If you're interested in going to California, find one that's from California and say, hey, I'm interested. You know, would you recommend it? What do you like? What do you don't like? So it's kind of a networking thing for them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you have people come up in FR clothing, explaining the importance of that, did they understand that? Not necessarily. But then when you put a dummy in a booth and you set it on fire and it's got FR clothing, <laughs> that kind of brings it home for you that well, how? Uh, I probably need to wear my FR clothing. Like, 
is required. So participating for the week, when they go out there and work on the rodeo, you know, they're told don't speak unless you're spoken to by a journeyman. They're very respectful and uh, because you don't interrupt somebody when they're competing. But they have a lot of fun and they meet a lot of people. They make a lot of connections that they need to have and they get to see the pride that you see at the rodeo. The best of the best that are out there and everybody supporting everybody, everybody cheering each other on and I think that shows them what that brotherhood is about and sisterhood so that they know that they can be a part of that. That is very well said. It's one of my favorite events of the year, and it's just great to see your students there learning and networking. And also you were inducted into the National Alignment Hall of Fame. And how does it feel to have gotten that honor? Uh, Very humbling. I was not expecting that at all. So my daughter and Ed Booty, one of the guys that that I work with, they put that all together without my knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, when Brittany got the letter or phone call and she told me we were sitting in the living room and I started crying, she was, well, I didn't think you were going to cry. It's like, oh my God, I had, (laughs) you know, that to me was the point where I realized what I had accomplished. I bet. I mean, it's, you're the only woman in the National Lyman Hall of Fame, aren't you? Nope. Nope. There was another female inducted before me. And okay. It's perfect. an honor to be in there with her. I yeah. didn't know that until I got to look at it. It's like, oh my gosh, I never even knew there was another female in there. But yeah, there's another one in there. She's accomplished more than I have. So I've done things on a state level. She's done things on a world level, which is incredible. What do you see in the future as far as opportunities for women in the line trade? Unlimited. Open door. If anybody wants to get in this field, we will make sure that you're successful. I have no doubt. And Susan, what do you think it will take to get more women and diverse work candidates into the line trade? Friends telling friends, friends recruiting friends, social media, the more exposure that we get and people know that we're here women will know that that's an opportunity and uh, I think again high schools don't promote it colleges don't promote it you know there's a lot of students that go into college to play sports and that's the reason they're going to college is to play sports but don't really have a plan at the end of that four years of what they're going to do when they get out well I'm looking for athletes I would love to have Paige was an athlete that yeah she was phenomenal I so I, I think providing colleges with that information or even talking to college coaches or even talking to the teams and saying, hey, when you get done here, if you want to still have an active outdoor, you know, career that's going to be physically challenging, here you go. Here's an opportunity. And uh, a lot of people that come into the program, it's because they have relatives in their family, father, uncle, grandfather, whatever, that were linemen. And Mm -hmm. that's how you see a lot of people come through. You don't see a lot of women promoting, oh, my mom was alignment, so now I'm alignment. I mm-hmm. think Randy and I are probably the only first two that did that. But Randy's friends know what she does, and she promotes it. She still wears MCC t-shirts while she's at, out running about at home. So uh, she still promotes my program, and I think that's the best way to do it is people don't know when what they don't know, they don't know that they can be successful at. 
Beautifully said, Susan. And do you have any other comments about women in the line trade? Well, I'm ready to see more of them. And if anybody is interested, I've got poles in my backyard. You can come out. You can stay at my house. I'll teach you how to climb. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you, Susan, for all you have done to inspire future workers in the line trade. And it was a pleasure having you on the Line Life podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Husky Tools has the widest selection of line worker tools and equipment across every essential utility category. Born and raised in Chicago, Husky features the largest assortment of hydraulic cutting and compression tools powered by the industry's most powerful battery platforms. Husky Tools, line worker proven and utility approved since 1976. See us at huskytools.com and mention this podcast and we'll throw you a new Husky Tools shirt. This episode of the Line Life podcast was written, recorded, and edited by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Postelay. That's me. To listen to past episodes, visit www.tdworld.com backslash podcasts or find us on Spotify. You can also drop us a voice memo or message at linelifepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com with your comments on this episode. Please follow the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be updated on when new episodes are released. Head to the show description to see where you can find us on social media. Thanks for listening to The Line Life.